energy. Welcome to the Activated Authors Podcast, a show where we distill the core principles of what it takes to become a happy, healthy, and productive author, no matter what stage of the journey you're at. I'm your host, Daniel Wilcox. I'm an international best-selling author, as well as an author coach, speaker, and creative entrepreneur. But most importantly, I'm a lifelong student of all things productivity, psychology, and human behavior. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. Without further ado, let's dive in. What is up, Activators? And welcome to another episode of the Activated Authors Podcast. Today, I am enthralled to be joined by the amazing Emmy Grange. Emmy Grange lives on stories of hope, on tales that tell us we can. She believes we don't have to change to be good enough. We already are just by being ourselves. Growing up near the Golden Gate Bridge, she spent years searching for the missing manual, How to Be Normal. Emmy knows what it's like to be a reluctant rebel, a modern misfit, a peculiar person. She writes for anybody who needs a story of acceptance and everyone needing a story of encouragement and is a Royal Dragonfly Awards Grand Prize winner, that's a mouthful, with her first book in her Jet Harper series, Needing Normal. Emmy, welcome to the show. Yay, thanks for having me, Dan. We're here, we're doing it. So just for transparency for people on the podcast, podcast, Emmy is another one of our incredible activated authors in the community. I have known Emmy for coming up to two years nearly, that flies. And it's, know, been, right? it, it's been a very interesting two years with, with pandemic and whatnot. Um, and I'm sure some of that will be covered with my, my first question, which is, are you happy to share with my listeners your journey into writing and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, that seems like a really big question. It's, it's like, a where big one. Start, right <laughs> so um as dan said reluctant rebel modern misfit i have always felt kind of disconnected and studied and researched and read a lot and written things out trying to sort out the puzzle of life right like mm. how to make it work so i've written for a long time um my dad while i was in high school my daddy oh used to say to me, Deborah, write a book. And I'm like, dad, I can't do that. He's like, just write a book. We'll just <laughs> put it on the cover. I mean, we'll put it on the counter and it'll sell. My parents owned a printing company. So he's ah. like, just write. You know, my mom could typeset it. He could print it. We'll put it on the cover. I'm like, nah, that, that's too weird. That's like big people do that. I don't do that stuff. Um, I was still trying to fit in with everybody who wasn't doing things like that. So it took me a long time to actually write a book, but uh, the secret story behind it is I was on a vacation with my family Hmm. and feeling really isolated, even though there were like 15, like it was the extended family of my little family group, all grown up with their kids and, and everybody was having a great time. And I was feeling really frustrated and I wrote a first draft of a book like just trying to express all the that was going on for me. Um, And then I came back and hired my first coach. Like that's where it started for me. Interesting. Straight into a first coach after a first draft. Yeah. Well, because I, like I said earlier, research, Uh (laughs) I, um, I, it's important to me, not that there's a right way and a wrong way to do it, but to recognize that there are people who know way more than me. Mm -hmm. And so those are the people I want to hang with. Those are the people I want to learn from. Yeah. And yeah, I, I didn't mess around. I'm like, Oh, wrote a book better find out how that really works. Yeah. Which we'll definitely dive into that because that does seem to be a theme knowing, you know, some of your story over the past couple of years. Um, But let's, let's 
dive in a little bit to casually writing a first draft uh, obviously you know i'm guessing it wasn't casual but writing a first draft while you're on a family holiday um you know you said that you were isolated in that moment and so you wanted to express that through the writing what was that story as much as you're happy to tell us and how did that manifest itself what what sort of genre was it was it sort of you know the type of stuff you write now or was it you know just literally a stream of consciousness here is how i'm feeling so i had so much frustration and pent up anger and just um, things that I needed to express. And I wanted to express it in a way that would be palatable to my family, you know, Um, because my family's great and they're loving and I love them and adore them. But, but there's a disconnect when your brain doesn't work the same way as theirs. And, and you're in a small space for a very concentrated time. And, um, and I just, it, ah, it was hurting. So Um, So I made up a story about this character, Jed Harper, and it isn't, it's the precursor to what actually came out as the first book. Mm. Um, Yeah, it's, it happened the summer before and the book takes place when school starts. So it really is the precursor, but it was enough that I went, oh, I have something to say. Um, Right before that vacation not right before, but relatively um, close to right before that vacation, I had gotten diagnosed with autism. And so it started to make sense to me why I was different and how I was different, but I didn't know how to express it necessarily or what I needed to ask for to make it easier for us all to communicate mm. and love each other easier, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that's where the characters came from. Yeah. I love it. And we'll definitely be diving into Jet Harper as well, because there's a lot to talk about there. Um, you obviously mentioned there that you were diagnosed with autism around that time. Yeah. How does autism look and work for you? And what are the sort of struggles that you've come up against as an author with autism? Right. Thanks. Um, first of all, you know, the whole concept of a spectrum, I, I think linearly, and it's not linear, it's more like a circle and the graph Um, goes wild all the different ways. So there are places that my autism affects me that doesn't affect other autistic people, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. That's where it's a spectrum. And um, relationships for me are everything. Emotions rule my world, but it also makes it really hard because, because yeah, I have to work on expressing myself in a way that's understandable, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's very important to me. And so that's good. Um, I write very much in a, I don't stream of conscious, right? Um, I write in a very, I don't know, um, outlined form, but it starts with what is it I need to express? Mm-hmm. What is it I need someone to understand? So I almost start with the theme before the story comes out. I start with the concept of what I'm trying to get across. Like, like in, you know, needing normal, it's very important to me that people understand difference, not less. Difference, just different. Yeah. And that's absolutely huge to see. And, you know, we've, we've got people in the author community who come to us because they're looking for their, somewhere to fit in that they're kind of normal. And you're absolutely right that it's, this world is built on so many different sort of big structures of what is normalcy, but what about 
what what is normal what defines normal and you know for you you've you've created this series with jet harper who is um struggling to find what is normal in her school and go through all the different problems that high school kids have um what was it about jet that kind of spoke to you and, and made you think because you had you had this idea when you were on a holiday right. with your family um and obviously you've since turned that into what is essentially like a series that is growing and has this really strong core message to send people um yeah. What was it that made you grab onto her and go, okay, let's say the things I need to say through this character? So I think, I think it was um, partly because I recognize that when you start high school, for the most part, everybody's in their ugly duckling stage. Mm-hmm. Everybody's in that awkward, not fitting and so for me, it was a way of making it relatable to my neurotypical family, to people who at that stage of life were also awkward. You know, I don't grow out of it. I'm just awkward. That's just me and it's okay. But, but I feel like there's that, there's that time period that everyone can relate to. So it was really important to me to set it in high school you know, to set it in those years of puberty and um, trying to sort out all the life questions um, so that it's not just one brain type. And that's the most important thing because it isn't. No, absolutely not. Even two people that are considered very, very similar are very, very different in many, right. many ways. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so what was some of It's written, you know, um, focusing on jet. But, you know, she has this core five. She has this group that mm-hmm. she worked through, works with the whole school year. And they're all very diverse characters. And that was also on purpose because, like you said, two people, same, but not the same. So, mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what was the, the challenge of writing high school? Because I know, speaking for myself, I, I'm 99% sure that high school has changed a lot since I've been there. What was your research process or what was your kind of approach when coming to bringing Jet Harper to life? Yeah. Um, so my son's 25. He's been out of high school a little while, but he's certainly been there more recently than me. So I drew a lot actually on um, him. He's 25 now. He wasn't 25 when I wrote it, but I drew a lot on him and his college friends that were all starting university actually. And what their experiences were like and how they talked and how they interacted um, because that was what I had to draw on. That was more recent. Um, it was also, you know, yeah, it was written a while ago. So written before the pandemic. Oh, <laughs> so, is there a yeah. time before the pandemic? Right. <laughs> yeah. And you're, you self-published this book. And yeah. one thing that I find very very interesting watching your journey is that you self-published this book um and obviously in our community there is sort of a way that a lot of people tend to self-publish a book and sort of that i guess going back sort of typical versa typical that sort of very normal usual route that people go through um one thing i've really found has stood out with you is that you have taken a lot of those but you've definitely you've definitely pushed further than some of the people that I come across in the in the author community. So, you know, you really push hard to get um, critical reviews from magazines and things. You know, you put it forward, you won an award for that first book, which I, I know I've said it before, but congratulations, three awards. 
bam, smashed it out. Um, and, you know, you, you went with that first book and you've already got the first, the four covers for well, that entire series. You've got a website that's really strongly branded around this idea, jetharper.com. Um, yeah. And you've got the backpack behind you. You've got all these different things that have kind of brought in this brand. Where did you start with all of this? What was kind of the inception that went, that, that visually brought, started to bring Jet to life? Yeah, so um, it's set in the Bay Area, which I know really well because that's where I grew up. Um, and I made up the Presidio Prep High School on the Presidio, San Francisco Presidio, which is right across the Golden Gate Bridge. Very beautiful area I know really well. So that was my first visual was thinking about the Presidio and the Golden Gate Bridge and her little neighborhood, which I, these are, her neighborhood's real. I know her neighborhood. I know the shops. I know. So that was all good for me. And then um, thinking about, yeah, again, I it, concepts first, right? It was important to me that the cast was diverse and that there was a core group. And I'm like, okay, core five. So the core five. And then thinking, well, how does that work? How do I make them different, but the same? Okay, well, breakfast club. Yeah. So <laughs> just the way it worked and then yeah looking at pictures and look just putting together colors and textures and uh, that kind of thing I guess I like how simple you make it sound but if people actually checked out the stuff that you do it is it's a strong brand and you really get a sense across every book that you come to every page on that website you've even got on the website the um which character are you the kind of like yeah, the, the question thing to go through a test because I love those little quizzes that you can take on Facebook or wherever, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so that was really fun for me to put together is to think about, well, who likes to eat what, what kind of music do they listen to? What, <laughs> you know, and, and put it together. And I've tested and um, I've come up with characters. So that was really fun. You know? Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. It's just kind of fun to me. Yeah. I Fun should be a like family value. I think fun's important in life. Um, I was just reading, this is tangential, but I was just reading something by an author um, who's thinking about quitting her day job so that she can write full time. And she got really strong advice from a random poster who said, think about what would make me happy. Because whatever that is, that's what you should do. What lights you up? And I thought, I'm really lucky because I'm doing it, right? I love my life and I'm really lucky, crazy busy, just trying to make ends meet just like everybody else. But win the lottery tomorrow, I honestly don't know that it changed much. So yeah, kind of cool, huh? Love that, love that. And it's absolutely right. Like, so I've been, I've been in this industry for seven years and sort of self-pub and the people that I've seen go and not make the test of the people that are not writing stuff that makes them happy that is not enjoyable that it's it's not sustainable to build a career that way um and it's interesting actually because this will kind of pull us around because we're in quite similar positions at the minute with our fiction in the sense of you know you're you've you've got a lot of the works in progress with jet harper and you're also looking at potential other genres to to write to find joy to you know see yeah. what's going on there um, and I think if you're happy to kind of share this part of your journey, I think this is really, really important for, for people to hear because, you know, you've had, you've had, had, you have had critical success with Jet Harper 
and yeah. uh, your goal is to you know make enough money to go full time with your writing. Um, yeah. So, what's the thinking behind genre switching? So, genre switching comes from actually looking at what is selling in YA right now, and looking at what's considered a young adult novel bestseller, and it sounds really wrong for me to say this, but Jed Harper and that world, it rocks. Mm -hmm. And there's no comp in the bestsellers. So when I started to think about that, I'm like, I love what I'm doing, but it's not going to reach the number of people I want to reach. It's not going to build this community of other misfits and rebels that all feel seen by reading these books. Mm-hmm if they don't even know they exist because there's nothing quite like it. Mm -hmm. So that made me start thinking about other genres. And so then I went, okay, well, I'm an audio whore. I listen to my books. So I'm just going to look up the data on what I listen to. And I'm all over the freaking place because I like (laughs) the story. That's the, like, what links it together? Well, I go for story. So what genre is a really hard question for me to answer to figure out where to go next. However, I know a few things. I know I like writing off camera. I like reading off camera. I'm not like big into sex scenes, for instance, in my book, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm also not into writing gore, but I love tension. Mm-hmm. I love thriller. Um, I also... It's important to me to write characters that are diverse, you know, neurodiverse like me, but I'm also Latin, but I don't look Latin, you know, so I know what that's like. I have a lot of Indian influence in my world. I know what that's like. So diversity is important to me um, in all the different flavors of it. And so I know that that those things need to be in the book, but that could be anything, right? That could be science fiction. That could be fantasy. That could be thriller. That could be... So the process I'm going through now is really doing research on um, what's popular and what's not oversaturated, Mm -hmm. finding the marriage of the two. And then looking at it and going, okay, well, actually, I really like domestic thriller, for instance, but they're kind of one books they're not series and i'm so invested in jet's world maybe i'll take her whole world with me to another genre right Ah. but i'm just saying you know you get them as you know when you're writing the book you get involved with the characters Mm -hmm. i'm like and there's so many more stories to tell it's like fleshed out so yeah there's such a um a sad moment when you reach the end of the series and there's this kind of just this weird weight like it comes off of you but also there's like a different weight because you're suddenly like oh well i guess they're done now <laughs> and you spend you know years and hours with these people and i you know i've outlined side stories for mm-hmm. three of the five you know and well f- three okay not three of the five, four of the five, if you count Jet. Mm-hmm. Like, she's not a side story, but there's four side characters. Yeah, I've written for three of them. I have outlines for whole mm-hmm. books for them. Mm-hmm. But I can't see staying in that world if not enough people are 
feeling seen or heard by reading the books. Huh? And that, that's my goal. I want, when I was growing up and dinosaurs roamed, um, <laughs> people did not have characters like me in books. And I looked, I'm a voracious reader, you know? Um, and I think seeing yourself in the pages is important. Yeah, so, yeah. absolutely. And what's, and this will sound much more crass than I mean it to, um, yeah. What we're kind of circling around here is this idea of, quote, selling out, which right. often people see as this really negative thing of, you know, why would you you know sacrifice the thing that you love for you know money? Why would you kind of go down that avenue? But I think you've so eloquently put it that, you know, what's the point in writing a story and reaching like such a small niche? I mean, obviously, there's there's value yeah. and there's worth in that because you're reaching people. But, you know, when you've got the drive and the ambition that you have. And this story to tell and this this message to give, why keep that so small? Why not look to broaden that? Because, you know, ultimately right. you can sidestep slightly, grow a much, much, much bigger platform in something that is a bit more commercial and then bring that back into, you know, the message you want and still keep your message going. Like, right. I yeah, I, I had an um, experience of a lot of people along my way of just, you know, oh, you're just, you're just chasing commercial success. And I'm like, yeah, because otherwise I'm shouting at no one and no one's listening. Right. So if you're, if you're singing and no one hears you, are you still singing? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, you, you are, but it's really nice to have connection. And um, Danielle Laporte is an old thought leader person that made these little cards. And one of them said, and I had it up on my mirror forever. And it said, relationships are everything. You know, and I really, that's really true for me. Um, so connection is everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm not connecting if I'm not reaching. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. Uh, and and it is where are you selling out? You know, I, I suck at social media, for instance. I just do. <laughs> I don't know that I can sell out that way. Yeah. Yeah. But I can sell out in writing in something else that I would read, right? Mm-hmm. And using the characters, different flavor, but also diverse characters in another setting. And, and so it's compared to the two, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what I think as well, that a lot of people don't, um, or aren't aware of until you've kind of, you know, released a couple of books, been a few years in, in this industry is, you know, the first few books that you write, you're learning the scope of things you're learning how it works to self-publish you're learning you know what stories do and what they don't do and the different platforms and like you say different social media ways like uh, newsletters just different ways to reach people and so after and it, it was the same with me like I wrote a bunch of different stuff and then after a couple of years I'm like okay now I know my direction I know the thing I want to do I know where I'm going to start really putting my energy um and it's a whole journey I don't I, I think the majority of people don't publish a book hit wild success and then go on to finish the series or do whatever the majority of self-published authors tends to have this journey that you're on at the minute that i'm on as well in which you experiment you you play you get to grips with the process so that you can then go on fully informed about what it is you want to do and how to reach the people you want to reach right it's 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 hard but it's god it's fun (laughs) it's fun right Mm -hmm. and i love that you brought that up because i think it's really important to yeah, to play with it, mm-hmm. not just um, 
accept this is the way I should do it. So this is what I'm doing. Um, that being said, there's a ton of research that has to go into playing. Yes. Or it's not going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying that's my experience of it. Yeah, absolutely. You can't, you can't take shortcuts. You just can't. Um, no. But I mean, kind of along this vein as well, you've, so you have had critical success with needing normal. Um, how has it felt to have received that kind of feedback, that kind of, um, uh, what's the word? Recognition. Recognition. Yeah. For, for the stuff that you've done from, you know, people who, who recognize what it is you're trying to achieve. Um, it's really important. It keeps me going. I remember, you know, I sent in the advanced copies before it was even formatted to readers favorite, um, to see if I could get some reviews and what they thought of it. Right. And they star your reviews. They give you stars or they don't give you stars. And I was really nervous to even open the email. You know, I got the text. Okay. First reviews in. And I'm like, oh. So um, I called my mom. <laughs> said, mom, I got this email. I can't open it. She goes, open your email. I can't open it. I'm going to sit here. Okay. So we opened the email and then I was reading it to her. And then I was stumbling because I was crying because I was so happy to know that someone felt seen. It was, it was the most beautiful thing to know that I reached someone who felt validated by reading the story mm. and, and it just kept me going. I'm like, okay. And then I got five reviews from them and all five were five stars. And I went, well, okay, we're doing pretty good now. And then you launched the book and it wasn't crickets. I was lucky, but, but there are cricket days for sure. And you're like, um, but people like it. Mm -hmm. Then you read your first critical review where they're like, yeah, I can't finish this drivel. And you're like, what? So... <laughs> You have to take them both with a grain of salt, I think, you know, the, I love it. And the, I can't even, oh, and, um, and yet in order to make a difference, you're going to have both. Mm -hmm. You're going to have people who love it and people that hate it. And um, I think it was my brother that said, that's a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> you're, pu you're pushing buttons. That's probably good. Yeah. And there's never going to be a book that's for everyone. Right. You're going right. to get negative reviews. You're going to get the people that are like, I'll try this because it's been recommended by a friend. And then it comes back and it's like, nah, not for me. Right. And that's yeah. fine. That's the way the world works. Not everyone loves right. the stuff that you do. Right. You're your own flavor, right? Just like mm. books are your own flavor. Yeah. It's going to love it. Mm -hmm. you, but, but it has to go in front of enough people that you find people that love it because those are your people. Yes. You build a platform. One person at a time. We all need our people. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Oh, I love this. Um, You've mentioned a few times about, you know, coaches and about the having to learn all the different parts of the process. You are someone who I observe is very, very um, attentive to detail and very willing to, you know, admit that you don't know something so that you can find the right people so you can put yourself forward and, you know, surround yourself with the people that are going to help you. How, how do you approach learning? 
Yeah. Um, so I have a couple of groups that I go on and I lurk. I'm not really good at posting, but like 20 books to 50K, I read every day. I'll read maybe not every post, but I'll, I'll read the ones that spark me and I'll read the comments and I'll read, I'll look at the comments from the people I've been listening to for a while now and see what they're saying and how they think things should work. And if they recommend a book, then I'll probably pick that book up to learn a little bit more about whatever it is. Um, and I listen to the people who I can connect with. Again, it's that connection thing. So like Jay Thorne was running this um, three-story method challenge. And I took the challenge and I won an hour conference with him and talked to him. And he's like, hey, maybe you should do this NaNoWriMo thing that my friend Dan's doing. Hey. Like, hey. And so that's how I get connected, right? I look for people that um, give me enough value that I invest in them and they invest in me. So, yeah. And you, you get involved very, very hungrily, I would argue. I mean, that first NaNoWriMo bootcamp that I ran, you were the one joining us at 3 a.m. your time because of you know time zones and you would jump in for an hour and I didn't know what your voice was for a month because you're on mute because you're on job as well so at that time I was working 12 hours a day Mm -hmm. and um usually not only five days a week I mean like I was working all the time but I knew that 3 a.m they were not going to call me for work Mm. so so I knew I could commit and I'm like, it's only a month. It's only a month. It. And so, yeah, so we did it and it was really fun and um, cohesive. The group that all we all pulled together, we were together from all the different places at all the different times. And yeah, I was chatting silently instead of talking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned it there, you know, you, you work a lot, you do a lot, you have a very, very busy life. Um, how do you, and I really hate this word at the minute, cause I'm still trying to like grapple what I feel about it, but how do you approach balance and get what you want done, done? Right. So it goes back to that question of what would make me happy. Um, I work all the time. I work when I don't work because I'm doing research. I'm trying to figure things out. I work. Life is, my life is full of work. And I never work in the sense that I love what I do. So um, I don't know that I know what balance is because I'm just living a life that I love. I'm, you know. Yeah, I have a full-on calendar and I've got a dot system with different colored dots for different things that happen. And so I look at my whole month at the same time so that I can figure it out, so that I can make sure that I'm not overscheduled. Um, but yeah, some people ask me, my mom is the one actually who says, um, so when are you going to not work? <laughs> No, we're going to go to Disneyland next weekend. Does that count? Now, part of it's research because I'm going to the Star Wars land. (laughs) 
God bless being creative. Well, exactly. I'm going to get all kinds of inspiration by watching people in all the different places and seeing the different relationship dynamics and how they work. And is it work? For me, it is. Because I'm going to try and hold all those details. And I'm going to be scribbling little notes or jotting in my phone or something. But it's not drudgery. I don't Mm -hmm. do drudgery. Even today when I was, um, so, you know, in my day life, for those who don't know, I'm a real life Mary Poppins. And so um, today's Monday, kids were away. I kicked out two hours cleaning the house. Was it drudgery? I was cleaning a house. (laughs) But no, because I'm listening to the best of the voice and getting caught up on who's singing what. And I'm bopping around cleaning. There's, I don't know, there's ways of making life fun. And I think that's important. When you load the dishwasher, think of Tetris. (laughs) I don't know. Love it. I love it. It's contagious. Um, So how do you define work? Right. Um, Yeah, that's a really good question. I... Anything that that can help me up-level life is work. And it can help me up-level life because I've learned a tool that helps me work better with people because that's my challenge in this world. Or it could up-level my life because I'm getting money and therefore (laughs) paying the bills. But yeah, it's... I think work is anything that helps me up level. So I do. I work all the time. I have loved that. And I have but never heard it expressed that way before. I think that I, you know, what do I get paid for? Well, I just cut back from 70 plus hours a week. I'm now only working 40 hours a week. Most people would say that's full time because uh-huh. I write books on top of that, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just can't. I don't break my life down like that so much. What keeps you going on the days when you don't have any energy? Because those days must come in which right. you wake up and it's yeah. just hard. Right. Um, caffeine. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've heard of this. I'll have to get some of that. <laughs> I think um, on the days where I just don't have energy, where I'm depressed or I'm anxious, because I get anxious every day. Um, I, yeah, I, back to that connection thing, I reach for people. I open up my Slack and I read what's going on and I might answer, jump something in there, or I, um, get on the phone and call one of my peoples, call one of my friends. I reach for people. Um, that's, and it gives me energy and I can't do too much in person time. That gives me anxiety, but I can connect on my devices, you know, Mm -hmm. and some in person every day, you know, I see people every day, but um, this long. (laughs) God bless the modern world and digital devices for for reaching out to people. Blessing and a curse. 
Because otherwise, my world would be full of the place where I feel most comfortable with people are little people, little kids. Mm -hmm. They don't know anything about diversity, you know, neurodiverse or otherwise. They're just their own wild (laughs) crazies. And so I really fit. (laughs) We're about the same equal (laughs) intellectual level understanding of how things work. So... (laughs) <laughs> but then you have mentioned that you know you don't fare that well with sort of in-person stuff but um I'm aware that you know you've obviously been to conferences and oh, you, yeah. you've got conferences coming up which are you know big gatherings of lots of people all you know studying craft and writing and everything else um how let's start with how how helpful have you found conferences and why should an author consider going to a conference so First of all, I think they're vital for recognizing you're not alone. I think there's something about seeing in person that many bodies that invested in their pursuit of book craft is inspirational. Um, And most of them are also introverts. So that makes us closer you know, um, and I don't, I go alone cause I'm a single person, but, but I don't go without connection. Like, um, I've gone to 20 books for 50 K a couple of times and I have friends that I go with so that I have someone to connect into if I get stressed, I also, one of my hacks is volunteer. Mm -hmm. So last year I was on the geek squad, for instance. So I had a room assigned and all I had to do was make sure the video was working and we had that all sorted out. Um, And it sounds like, oh my gosh, that's overwhelming. And you paid your conference fees. What are you doing volunteering and spending your time? (laughs) But for me, it gave me direction and purpose mm-hmm. otherwise there's a little bit too many options and what I am i supposed to, where am i supposed to be in mm-hmm. yeah so that helps me um my first book signing was at the 20 books vegas and that was big and that was a little overwhelming but i also you know i had my fan club coming i had to figure it out so mm-hmm. yeah i love it i love it and so on that, because I know that, you know, you don't seem to be afraid of reaching out to people, no matter where they sit in, oh, how much I say this, um, in sort of like how people you author. So you will yeah. reach out to someone who has been writing books for years in the same right. way that you'll reach out to someone who is just writing their first book and you will reach out and you'll ask questions. And it's something that I really admire about you because I've I've seen that happen a lot where people are afraid to reach out to the quote bigger authors because they're like oh they're too busy they're gonna say no but um and i'm not in any way saying i'm in those those leagues but i know that i say to people a lot like if you want something from me just ask and give me the chance to say no how how do you and i'll phrase this kind of crassly just for people who you know are afraid of doing this how do you find the guts just to reach out and ask people you know for advice and for stuff that's a great question for me um I have no 
ego around the fact that I'm ignorant. I know that I don't know shit. Um, And so I want to ask the person who actually knows something. And I feel like I do it respectfully and I um, am willing to pay for their time. I don't necessarily, I try not to take advantage and I try to offer something back to them um, so that it's a symbiotic exchange and Mm. nobody, and people feel valued. That's important to me. Um, But I've done crazy stuff in my life. You know, I've worked at Lucasfilm with George Lucas. I've um, talked to Michael Eisner on the phone. Um, I met Jerry Garcia from the Grateful Dead. Like I've had some crazy life experiences and you know what? They're all people. Mm -hmm. So I don't get starstruck necessarily. Um, And when I say that immediately, the one example of me getting starstruck came to Bright, which was at a Comic-Con, I saw Manu Bennett in person and started drooling like it was that. That was it, you know? So, and he's a rugby player, right? Nobody knows who Mm -hmm. Manu Bennett is. Sorry. (laughs) I've I've been starstruck one time and I was on a tour around the BBC radio studios and there was a DJ who used to present kids TV with another DJ and went on to do sort of radio one. And I think it was just a sheer fact that I had no idea he was going to be there. And he walked right past and started saying hello. I just had that moment. (laughs) Like I've never experienced anything like it or since like it's, it was just that moment of, Oh my God, just paralysis. It was really, really bizarre, but yeah, it happens. The back of a Comic-Con, I didn't, so I've interacted with um, several different actors and whatever, because I luckily enough connected with my aunt and blah, 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 blah. I, so I was in the back of a conference room. He didn't see me. He didn't know me. He didn't talk to me. He didn't anything. He was just up there doing his shtick at the Comic-Con and I was dying. I was blushing and drooling. <laughs> Love it. I've got um, a quote here that I pulled from your website uh, that I'll just read and then we'll kind of go into it. It says, to be nobody but yourself in a world which is doing its best night and day to make you everybody but yourself means to fight the hardest battle which any human being can fight and never stop fighting. And that's E.E. Cummings. And like I said, that's that's big and bold on your website. My question, why that quote and what does it mean to you? Uh... Mrs. Hicks, my honors English teacher in high school, gave me that quote. And she said, this is what you have to do. And you can write as well as E.E. Cummings, if you will allow yourself. And I was still, you know, she and my dad must have talked or something. They were on the same page. (laughs) Right. I'm like, no. So that quote means a lot to me sentimentally, but also because I think, yes, those of us with labels and diversity have challenges, but I think everybody has a challenge, um, whether they recognize it or not, being themselves at some point. Mm -hmm. I think there may be different durations. I think there may be different ways it shows up, but there are moments in everybody's life where fighting to just be your authentic self, you know, like Brene Brown says, um, is the hardest battle. And 
she uses the Theodore Roosevelt quote and um, I, yeah, that basically says, I don't, and then she says something to the effect of, I don't want to talk to you if you're not in the arena getting your ass kicked. Like you're not down there with me doing your best to be yourself. I don't have room for you. And that's the point I'm at. Um, so that quote means a lot to me because it, it states what my brand is about, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you've been in the writing game now for a few years. You have won awards, you've released books, you have connected with loads and loads of authors. What would you say in 2022, if you were to start all over, what would you say to brand new Emmy Branch? I'd say get connected, find your tribe. Um, My first writing friends were all writing dragon fantasy books. They're still my tribe. Um, My tribe now is expanded and there's horror people in it. Surprise, wink, wink. (laughs) But so I say that because it, when I say find your tribe, I don't mean find people that are writing exactly what you're writing. I'm saying find other authors that can, you can connect with, you can talk to, you can, you can lift each other up. You can bounce ideas. You can just be real with to understand how the author life works. Mm. That's separate to me from the writing stuff. You can find the writing stuff everywhere. And you can find good advice and you can find an advice that isn't good because it doesn't fit you, but it's good for somebody. So, you know, whatever. Um, But understanding how to navigate the creative lifestyle, you know, um, is a special brand. It's a special thing to me. It's hard. It's hard. And it's so fundamental. It's fundamental. Yeah. It's understanding, yeah. Um, I've taken the Sarah Cannon boot camps and classes so that I understand the time management parts of it and the Kanban mm-hmm. parts of it and whatever. Um, but that's not the group I go back to every week, is it? You know, the group I go back to is the one where we can talk about all the different parts of the author life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we appreciate you well, every thanks. single week. I appreciate being there. <laughs> okay, I have one more question before we yeah. start to wrap up. And the same question I ask every single author that comes on the show. Okay. Why do you write? I write because it's the best way for me to reach the people like me, who need to be seen and validated on pages. Excellently put. Flawless. Perfect. Okay, so before we wrap up, can you please tell my listeners where they can find you and everything you're doing online? Well, that's the challenge, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) So um, the Emmy Grange website points to Jed Harper, right now 
at some point it will branch off because it's not just about those four books. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would say the emmygrange.com, which points to Jed Harper. Um, and the social media that I want to be invested in, but I'm scared to be invested in, is actually TikTok because watching those stupid videos are so <laughs> addictive. <laughs> like I love watching them. Um, and so I'm like, yeah, that would be totally fun. It's only like 15 seconds. But the thought of getting on there, I need more encouragement. So find me there. Because if I have enough followers, I might actually post a video. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that will. And yeah. And other than that, yeah, I'm on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I'm on Instagram. I respond back really well. I'm not really good at posting random stuff, partially because... I don't know what you want to know. Ah, you know, tell me what you need, what you want posted. Tell me what you're interested in. I'm pretty open and I'm pretty blunt. So, <laughs> Which is a gift. I love it. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Perfect. And we'll have links for all of those in the show notes for you. Um, Emmy, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'll say a big thank you to everyone for joining me on the podcast this week. And as always, if you're looking to level up your writing and activate your author career, then head on over to www.activatedauthors.com to find out all about our community, our resources, and everything else that we've got going on. We will see you next week. Activate your energy.